Hey, it's Pastor. I am so excited you could join us uh, as we hear and listen to the Word of God. And I'm always hoping and praying that He's going to specifically guide your life and give you the hope and the peace that you cannot give to yourself. He is the power every time He promises to work through this Word. If He has worked in your life, we want to hear about it. Please email us, let us in, encourage us uh, by emailing office.amazinglove at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry, make messages like this ongoing, uh, go to our giving tab online or download the app. Go to the app store and search Amazing Love Luther. But now, may you continue to grasp how wide, high, and deep and long is the love of Christ in this for you. Thank you. church family gathered amazing love. Uh, to start out this morning, can I invite you to pray with me if you're comfortable? Let's just ask God to bless the preaching of his word, we pray. Holy Father, we look forward to um, the richest affair as we consider your word, and we just ask that our soul would find its satisfaction in you, that you would speak directly to our hearts to speak a word of peace and comfort. Bless the preaching of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, happy Thanksgiving week. I hope you are looking forward to some family time and some food. And to get things going today, I want to know, um, how many of you know the story Winnie the Pooh? Most of you. Um, and uh, there was a new movie called uh, Goodbye, Christopher Robin, um, came out this year. Um, and, and maybe you know some of the characters found in Winnie the Pooh. Uh, for example, some of you might know Tigger. Tigger always seems to be happy-go-lucky. He seems to be bouncing around. Uh, Tigger is known for saying things like this, the wonderful thing about Tigger's is Tiggers are wonderful things. But Tigger, you might know, has an antithesis, a counterpart, um, and Tigger's antithesis is Eeyore, right? And what does Eeyore say? I love this quote. Look at this. Could be worse. Not sure how, but it could be. And as we're approaching Thanksgiving, I guess I wonder, where are you on the wavelength of a Tigger or an Eeyore? And, and maybe, I guess, what would be more revealing is what would the people around you say, regardless of your answer, would they say Tigger or Eeyore? And um, well, because we're gathered in the church of God, uh, what would God have us be? Can I share with you one of his directives? Uh, Paul was writing to some Christians in Thessalonica, and he said these words. He said, and, and it's pretty phenomenal, pretty hard, Give thanks in, can you say that word? All. all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, all, really all, like all as in when the kids are just a pill and they're sick and I'm sick too, and, and all, like that? 
Like all when, when the bank calls and I have insufficient funds. All? Like all as in when like my day is really bad, but it's not because I started it. They started it. And now I'm down because if you thought Eeyore was bad, you should meet this person. Right? All cir- circumstances? Right? To talk more about all, um, one of the thankful things I'm thankful for is my wife. And um, never forget one of the lessons she taught me this year. We were going through the Passion Account of Jesus. And uh, maybe you know the story. He's about to give his life. He, he dies a horrible death on the cross. He's betrayed. He's denied. I mean, the worst of the worst of the worst. And yet the night before, he's gathered in the upper room. And maybe you know these words. He's, he's celebrating the Passover, instituting the Lord's Supper. And, and, and Luke records, and he took bread, he gave thanks, and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and eat, this is my body. And I read it really fast, but, but did you hear one part he said? He took bread and he gave thanks. Jesus, don't you know what's going to happen? Jesus, you're going to be betrayed. You're going to be denied. How, how, could, how could he give thanks? He could be saying with Eeyore, I don't know how it gets any worse. So if Jesus could give thanks before this night, maybe it's appropriate that we should give thanks. And so my sermon is this, stop being Eeyore, start being Tigger, amen, let's go home. But that's not really helpful, is it? It's kind of like, have you ever been someone when someone's worried about something, they spill their guts to you, and at the end of it, you just tell them, well, stop worrying. You know, that's real helpful, thanks. You know, or, or someone who's tired, stop being tired, wake up. You know, or you're hungry and the stomach's growling, stop being hungry, you know. Give thanks. So maybe, maybe we should pause and, and, and consider reasons we have to give thanks, right? Some of the reasons and how can we give thanks in all circumstances. Let's, let's talk more about that. So, so what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? Uh, some people might be thankful for iPhone X or Xbox One X. See a theme here. Or maybe Black Friday. I don't know if you're looking forward to these. Uh, maybe some of you celebrate your car or your house or different things. Uh, uh, probably not the Chicago sports teams right now. But anyway, I give thanks for a lot of different things. Um, but, but I think out of all these things that we give thanks for, there's one that comes to mind above them all. And so can you turn to someone next to you and announce my title? Can you turn to them and tell them, Remember the Lord. Turn to the person next to you. Say, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Because he is far superior than any of the other reasons that we have to give thanks. So we're going to talk about him today, all right? We're going to consider now the word of God. And and today we look at the Old Testament and uh, we have the words of Moses. Uh, Right now in in the timeline... Uh, Moses is taking the children of Egypt out of or Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. And he is reconfirming the laws of God and the promises of God. And, and he's foreshadowing when they will be in a prosperous position. When they will have it good. When, when, when life is gravy. And when they have it good, when they finally settled in the promised land, he then gives them these words of direction that still apply to us for Thanksgiving. Let's get into it. Uh, you can follow along either in your worship folder or on the screen us. It says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord. Now, if there's not a Thanksgiving verse, you know, this is one, right? Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, When your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, well, then your heart will become proud 
And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty, waterless land, with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you, so that in the end it might go well with you. Now, I don't have a long time to preach on this last part, but as we look at Thanksgiving, and if maybe you didn't have a banner year, maybe sometimes he allows humility and testing so that in the end we might find him. He uses even bad years for good. goes on. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today, says the word of God. And so you saw all the upcoming blessings of that land. And what does he say? Don't forget. Don't forget who brought it. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget what I did for you. These are words we want to dig into on this Thanksgiving week. All right, let's go. Um, I'm really looking forward to eating the Thanksgiving meal, and I just want to know a little bit, of, you know, about you guys. Um, let, let's pick out our favorites. For how many of you is turkey the favorite part of the meal? Turkey? Got a few turkey people. Okay, uh, how many of you is it the stuffing? Where am I stuffing? Yes, my people. Uh, where, where mashed potato people. I know there's some always like the mashed potatoes. And then the pie, the pie, some pie people. Okay, that's great. Pecan, sweet potato, right? It's all good. I think what I love the most is that you spare no expense. You like pull out all the stops. I spent a lot of Thanksgivings by my grandmother. And uh, with, with stuffing, she never just made the stovetop. No, she made her own concoction. You know, she put celery in there, dried cranberries. It was amazing. So now I've tried to carry out that, tra- that tradition. Uh, so if you come to the Bloomer household, I'm making stuffing, and it's not stovetop. I buy the sourdough bread, and I make it, you know, go stale and bake it just the right way. I buy a sausage, and I put it in the stuffing. That's a good trick. Uh, celery and dried cranberries. And, and at the end of the day, this is the most expensive part of the meal, but I don't care. It's my favorite. And I'm going to pull out all the stops to have some wonderful stuffing. That's what the Thanksgiving meal is, though, isn't it? It's not skimping. When it comes to the quality and the quantity, it's all good. Do you know the Thanksgiving meal reminds me about the heart of God? Because when it comes to what he does, when it comes to what he gives, he doesn't skimp. I consider the lesson, uh, and they're talking about the promised land, what he's going to give to the people. And earlier in this uh, chapter, it said this about the land he was giving. Look at the promised land. It, It said, the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. A land with brooks and streams and and deep springs gushing out into valleys and hills. A land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. A land where the bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. I think of like pomegranates, olive oil, figs. Like aren't those still like trendy and luxurious kind of items? And then in my personal study, I was reading from the book of Ezekiel, which is an interesting book. And there it said even more about what God was giving them. Uh, look at this blanket statement over the land. It said, is a land flowing with milk and honey the most beautiful of all lands? So some of you might think that the most beautiful of all lands is sunny Florida or Bora Bora. God's like, no, no. The best is what I gave my people, is the promised land given to them. And you know, I think God hasn't changed over time. I think for us gathered here, you need to know he still loves to give the best. 
Do you know how I know this? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave what? His one and his only son. He, he didn't spare any expense. He didn't stop. No, he, he would give his child out of love for you and I. And Jesus, what does he give? He gives tremendous gifts, the gifts of peace and forgiveness, the, the gift of a, a heavenly home because he rose. And, and sometimes we just need to consider that heavenly home. And I know no eye has seen and no ear has heard, but every soul knows that there is a banquet in store that we will be satisfied with. So here's our first takeaway this Thanksgiving. I think we should remember the Lord because you need to know he doesn't skimp. He's not stingy. And what I love about these spiritual blessings is you can thank God for them whether or not you had a good financial year, whether or not it's easy at, for, at work for you, whether or not your relationships are all good, you can still thank God that he spared no expense when he gave his son. Remember the Lord. But what's interesting is that this is not really talking about spiritual blessings. He was talking about physical blessings. When you, when you look at verse 10 again, this is our Thanksgiving meal verse. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord. Um, He's really talking about the earthly stuff. And so I wonder, maybe we should spend some time talking about the earthly blessings of God. Is that okay? Um, I don't know if you've ever had an experience where you also knew from an earthly standpoint, God spared no expense. Let me tell you my story. I uh, grew up in Beaverdam, Wisconsin, and I had a paper route, which made me uh, very rich. And uh, I used some paper route money to join the Beaverdam Country Club, and I had a junior membership at a golf course. What this meant is that from Monday through Friday, five days a week, I was there on the greens, on the golf course, chumming it up with the retirees. Hey, what's going on, Bob? You know? We had a golf, court, you know, a golf cart to use. You could not even have to walk. And, and it was amazing. And there was no time in my life where I ever thought I'd be golfing five days a week as a sixth or seventh grader. I felt like a king with his junior membership at the Beaver Dam Country Club. It's amazing, Right? Has God ever given you something like that? See, every now and then, a good and gracious God who gave his son also evidences his good and gracious gifts in many different earthly ways. Have you ever gotten that? I think there, there's been a time, right? Maybe for you it was that first car, and you still remember your first car. Maybe for you it was that first house. Maybe for you it was some certain gift. You know, the lesson it reference houses. Uh, verse 15 says, when you build, find houses and settle down. I'm wondering, in, in this crowd. Has anyone ever built a house? A few? You had the chance of saying, no, not the builder grade, that one, right? And double vanity sounds good, right? You know, put it in place. What a blessing. What an awesome thing that a gracious God does not skimp. But I got to warn you because earthly blessings are tricky. They're tricky if we don't put them in the right place. And the right place is to remember that earthly blessings are always temporary, right? In fact, some of you might be in a different house than the house you built because, you know, it's just temporary stuff. And so one of the, the, the phenomenal principles I was reading came from a commentary. Uh, this stuck with me as I was reading. It says, temporal prosperity is a blessing, but if it is not regarded as such, it becomes a curse, if you don't have an open hand to understand that even the people in your life, the things of your life are give and take, then, then they could become curses. You try to latch on to things that were always temporary. In fact, Jesus knew this. 
Jesus, when he was talking about treasures, he, he said where your true treasure should be. And where did he say it should be? In heaven, right? Because on earth, rust destroys that beautiful first car. And moths destroy those clothes. And, and thieves can break in and steal. So make your true treasure in heaven. And so we live in a world where I think, I don't know if you can relate to this struggle, sometimes we mix up the goodness of earthly blessings for true spiritual blessings, and we don't proportion them right. It kind of reminds me of this show called Let's Make a Deal. Anyone grew up watching this? This is old school, right? Still around, Wayne Brady, he's good. I was watching it recently, and there was a guy who had $500 in his hand, and given the opportunity to see what's behind curtain number one and curtain number two. And so $500 in the hand, and he chooses the $500, and behind curtain one, they were acting out what it was. And some people were like going, and other people were like lounging. And, and he says, no, I just want the $500, but you know what he gave up? A $7,000 trip to Aruba. Not a great trade. Well, he, he went to curtain number two. And he, he wants the $500. And then behind curtain number two, as he holds on to that $500, you know what it was? A brand new car. Valued at $17,000. But he's like, no, 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 $500. I wonder, friends, do we ever do that with earthly things? Are we ever holding on so tightly to these earthly things, giving up what's behind curtain one, curtain two, and the bigger prize? Do we ever mistake the earthly for the value of the spiritual? And so, can I give you another point today? Here's a second one. Can you remember that the Lord is the prize? And all those other prizes that he allows, my Beaver Dam Country Club and whatever was in your mind, they're really only meant to point you to his true character. That was the only goal of them. Like, the reason you might experience the love of a good relationship is that maybe you would drop to your knees and be like, that's what you're like, Lord. That's what your love is like. Or maybe when you eat a good meal and you have that food euphoria going on, that you drop to your knees and you just say, man, you are good. And the psalmist resonates, taste and see the Lord is good. When we get that possession that we dream for and it's finally in our hands, we remember There was a greater blessing given in Jesus the Savior. Remember, all these little prizes are to point us to that main prize. We put them in perspective. As I consider the lesson, Moses is telling the people about a promised land, but the promised land wasn't really the prize, was it? But in that land, many years later, thousands of years later, they would become a son born in Bethlehem. The greatness of the promised land was a promised Savior who was born there. And for us today, all these other things just point to it. But our struggle today is that we tend to forget. We tend to forget God. We lose the forest to the trees. We tend to forget who we are and where everything came from. When I consider those who forget and, and, and consider where people came from, I'm reminded of, of people who were something different and then became something big. And um, I'm reminded of where Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, and Ryan Gosling all got their start. Does anyone know where they all got their start? Here. Sorry. <laughs> Reminds me also of uh, Justin Bieber, who uh, started out as a young boy playing guitar and now is a big thing, Right? And I wonder when it comes to those who found, like, the Justin Timberlakes and the Christina Aguileras, um, 
Was there an agent who ever been like, I found them. I I made them what they were. I'm the one who got them to where they are today. We know where they came from. I consider what we were before God. And and Paul says to those in uh, Corinth, he, he says, all of us before God, we were wrongdoers. We were evildoers. But then God changed us. God made us something more. God made us something bigger when he found us. 1 Corinthians 6 says this, and this is what some of you were, those wrongdoers, those evildoers, those who are lost, but you were also washed. I consider the blessing of baptism, baptism which we celebrate today with Jonathan Bowen, where God gives us true grace, a washing of rebirth and renewal. We're not only washed, we were sanctified, we were justified and declared not guilty in the name of the Lord Jesus. These are great riches of what we were and what God made us. That before we were wrongdoers, but now we are children of God. We are declared not guilty. We are justified by him. The Lord made us something different, but he's also given us many good things. I don't know if you have any famous rags to riches stories. One of my favorite rags to riches stories is the story of Michael Orr that was depicted in the Blind Side movie. I don't know if you've seen the Blind Side movie, but it's a, a man who was uh, needing a place to live and, and was taken in by a very uh, affluent family. And there is this scene set up where um, he, he finally got his own space. Um, he was shown his room, and, and he says, you know, I, I've never had one of these. And the dialogue kind of goes this way. He says, never had one before. What, a room to yourself? And he says, no, a bed. And, and you think of someone who's been taken in by, by someone else. Standing before their bed, there's probably a lot of delight, there's probably a lot of joy, but I'm assuming there's not a lot of arrogance. I'm assuming Michael Orr did not go to school the next day and say, you know how hard I worked for the room that I'm in? What I did to get there? He probably just sung the praises of the family who gave him his first bed. I consider what God did for his people from rags to riches, from slaves of Egypt and and now into a promised land, and I consider what he does for us who live in the most affluent nation that maybe has ever existed. But I wonder, do we ever forget where it came from? Do we ever stand next to our car and then explain the overtime that we put in and how hard we worked and and what we saved up? Do we look at our hardwoods and, and, and say all the hard work we did to get hardwood floors? Do we talk about the sweat equity that we put into stuff? Or do we stand next to them and say, this is a gift? And isn't God good? You know, I think what should strike our hearts and maybe what we should repent of is all the times we're sinfully arrogant over the things that God has just graciously given. There's a Father of the heavenly lights who gives every good and perfect gift. And it wasn't because you worked so hard and it wasn't because you planned so well and it wasn't for anything other than His grace. We should remember that. And so another point today, remember the Lord, what he made you, which is a child of God, and what he gave you. And it's my privilege to remind you that as much as we forget the Lord, he has not forgotten us, nor will he ever. As we pray for daily bread, he is so gracious in providing it and all that we need, and we can have true confidence that he will be faithful. 
But maybe today in the scheme of what we're talking about, we should think about practical ways of staying thankful. Of not just having a day of thanksgiving, but having a habit of thanksgiving. So what are some practical ways we can live this out? Um, One of the ways that I've heard about is a blessing journal. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of a blessing journal. I've heard of a book that you can write uh, by that has all your dates lined up and, and even goes back the last five years. So it's like November 19th for the last five years. And you write a blessing down that happened. And sometimes as you're writing the new blessing, you can look at the old blessing. So I could turn to like February two years ago when I bought my Toyota Prius. And I can be like, that was a great day. I saved a lot of money on gas. Now today, right? You can remember these things practically, writing them down. Another great uh, idea I heard of is, is having a jar with note cards next by it. And, and every time that your family has something good, you write on the note card and you place it in the jar. And at the end of the year, you, you dump out the jar and you remember all of the good things that happened during the year. For me as a dad, every now and then I try to instill in my kids what it is to give thanks. And so sometimes it's at a hotel pool. Or sometimes it's when we just had a good meal. When they have that thing that they asked for in their hands, and I just ask a simple question. Where did it come from? This is a gracious God. This is not because dad works so hard or mom works so hard. This is because God is so gracious in lining these moments. Sometimes I, I wonder about our nation. I just, this is conjecture. This is for free. I, I don't know if it's even worth anything. We're the most affluent nation maybe of all time. And it's really hard to compare, right? And yet instead of just resounding with continual thanks and having spiritual revival, we're almost going in the opposite direction. And every now and then, again, this is just conjecture. I wonder, is the root of our problem that we just forgot where it came from? Is the root of it, this, this mixing up earthly and spiritual, the, the root of it not knowing where the true treasures are? And it just makes me pause. And out of love, it makes me warn you. Don't trade little treasures for the big one. And again, have this heart of thanksgiving. But before I leave today, I want to give you what I thought was the most interesting part of the whole lesson. And the most interesting part for me is that Moses is telling them to give thanks for the promised land, give thanks uh, for all the bounty that they will have, the new houses and the silver and gold increasing. But, But the funny thing is, at this point, they have none of it. He's telling them to give thanks when they're still wandering around in the desert. So they don't even have it. So he's, he's prompting them before they get there to praise the Lord. It, it kind of reminded me of how preloading something works. Um, I don't know how many of you use the iPass. My wife and I use it so much, I'm waiting for them to call us and be like, you have this portion dedicated to you. Thank you for funding um, the interstate right here, right? But if you've ever used the iPass, you know how it works. You don't go through and then pay. No, no, no. You have to prepay that baby all the time, a lot. And I wonder, as Moses is talking about praising the Lord for blessings they have not yet received, what if we got in the habit of preloading our praise? What if we got in the habit of waking up on Monday morning and you know it's going to be a killer week? And you know all the obstacles that stand in your way. But you start out and you say, Lord, today I praise you. 
Because I know during this week that you are for me and that you are with me, that you are going to work out good things that I cannot see yet, and that it's going to turn out just according to your will and purpose. Lord, I thank you for this. I wonder if we got into circumstances that are perilous, and you think of all the worst case scenarios that could happen, but you just start with praise, and you say, Lord, I don't see the end of the matter. In fact, it might take some time, but I'm going to praise you because I know that you are with me and that you are for me. What if we do that for the new year? As the holidays are approaching, we say, Lord, there's a lot of changes going on. There's a lot of transition. I don't even know what's going to happen in the next year, but I'm going to praise you right now because you are with me and you are for me and you're never going to let me go. What if we got a habit of preloading our praise? You know why you can do it? Because he's faithful. Because he has yet to renege on any of his promises. Because he will be gracious to us. May you this Thanksgiving remember the Lord. Praise him every day, even preload that praise. Amen. Please stand.